This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode of Compliance Man, True or False, we consider whether there is greater gender diversity in the compliance function or if it is something that needs to be considered by corporations. If you're a compliance professional, then Compliance Man is here to help you figure out what to focus on and how within your organization. Join your host, Tim Kazanoff-Bateroff, the Compliance Man, for three minutes of condensed compliance awesomeness. In this episode, we take up the issue of investigations of sexual harassment claims at work. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to our continuing series of Compliance Man, True or False. As always, I'm joined by my colleague, Tim Kashinoff-Batteroff, a compliance practitioner who focuses on compliance at international markets and has done so for the past 20 years based on his work experience at six countries as an in-house compliance officer, Tim now consults senior managers and global compliance officers on complex ethics and compliance matters as a partner and head of compliance practice for the law firm Eternal Law. On top of that, Tim is a co-founder of the Compliance Club, an international community of practitioners, uh, meetings of which I get to attend periodically where we share best practices and trends with other compliance professionals. We're gonna to link to uh, Tim's um, information and his contact information at Eternal Law in the show notes. In this series of Compliance Man, we take a hot, often provocative topic from literally from the corporate real life agenda and try to determine if it's true or false. We would invite you to participate in these discussions by commenting on each podcast and even proposing topics. The most active listeners will be invited to join us because we want to have a truly global conversation. And we're thrilled to have back with us today, Alexandra Zaitseva. She is a compliance officer at Pawete Group, an international energy company. And Alexandra, first of all, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So today we're going to take up a topic that I think is perhaps one of the most controversial we have discussed in this series of Compliance Man, and that's whether or not it's easy for compliance officers to investigate harassment cases. Alexandra, once again, as our guest, uh, why don't you start us off today? Thomas, I fully disagree with the concept that it's easy to investigate harassment, particularly sexual harassment. There is a lot of reasons. First of all, if we are talking about international corporations, there is a diversity of cultures that might view the very same actions on employees as offensive or absolutely not. 
Alexandra, I disagree with you. In majority of cases, it's, it is clear from the very beginning whether one intends to offend another person based on gender, religion, or nationality. If someone feels himself or herself being uncomfortable due to facing actions of another person that are prohibited by ethics code, it is a harassment. That simple. It is like with a bribery giving. From the very beginning, one knows if transfer of value is a bribery or not. Tom, what do you think? So, Tim, actually, I'm going to have to disagree with you and, and perhaps agree with more with Alexandra. Uh, first of all, I think she's absolutely right that we all live in countries and work for companies that have a wide diversity of culture. Uh, in, in the three countries we live in, of the people on this podcast, Russia, Ukraine, and the United States, that's certainly true. Uh, there are some standards I think we could probably all agree upon, but um, there is, uh, I think, a wide diversity, and what's viewed as improper in the United States might not be viewed as improper or at least tolerated in other countries. So that's, I, be, I believe, leave a, a big challenge for people like us who work for multinational companies. But I'd also like to mention a couple of other things, which is that uh, acts or actions that may have been tolerated 10 to 15 years ago are certainly not tolerated any longer is kind of point one. But point two, companies recognize that they can have much more negative publicity uh, than they had in the past if they allow this conduct, uh, harassment conduct to continue. So for a new generation of corporations, a new generation of uh, those in corporate legal departments and compliance departments, harassment is absolutely a, a no-go and companies do not want to be associated with this. But that really doesn't get us to the question of whether it's easy or not to investigate claims of harassment. Many claims of harassment are basically he said, she said, whether there's no corroborating evidence one way or the other. And in today's environment, um, I think companies, uh, in-house legal and in-house compliance professionals really have to look further than just whether the, uh, the allegations of harassment and that the burden has really shifted to the aggressor who's almost always male to prove there's no harassment. Now you can do that in a variety of ways. And I, and I would start with a statement that every corporation I've worked in, everyone knew who the harassers were. It was not, it was an open secret. And so the women knew who they were, the men if they looked knew who they were and certainly management knew who they were. So you've got someone with a pattern or practice of engaging in inappropriate behavior uh, and then they uh, engage in harassment, I think it's you can safely conclude that that's something that ha has gone on and, and it really shows that the aggressor uh, has stepped over the line. On the other hand, if you have someone who has never uh, engaged in inappropriate touching, inappropriate behavior, inappropriate comments, and out of the blue, someone accuses them of sexual harassment, um, that, that may be something very different. Alexandra, I, I was really interested to get your 
uh, perspective on this because it seems that you you understand uh, or at least appreciate the challenges of investing such investigating such cases. Tom, I agree with you. Still, from practical point, there is a challenge to investigate such cases. Even more, sometimes the claimant, specifically we are talking about sexual harassment, misuses his or her rights. In plain words, they are blackmailing the company or the accused person perfectly knowing what you have just been mentioned. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Alexandra, I think you have raised a very difficult topic. From one side, we have zero tolerance to harassment, while in the very same time, there is always a risk of just lying by claimants to get benefits or secure a job. Considering that in many instances, evidences of both parties are based on their verbal statements, it is difficult to find the truth. In my practice, unless there is a written evidence, it is very hard to define where there is a case of harassment. I guess, once again, I'm going to have to disagree with you on whether it's very hard to define whether there's been a case of harassment. Um, And it's not simply based on written evidence, because in my experience, there's never written evidence. Uh, There can be a videotape, but those, those cases are, I think, something very different. And if there is, I think we all understand the danger of that for a corporation. But if if there is no corroborating evidence or if there is uh, evidence that the person who's charged really had never engaged in inappropriate behavior, uh, I don't think um, a a claim of harassment sort of coming out of the blue uh, will really stand up. And then I'm very concerned about both of your comments around blackmail, because um, this is something that uh, if uh, someone steps forward and claims harassment and tries to use it as blackmail, that's not someone you want in your corporation at any level. And if someone is going to do that to try to get revenge or or, uh, something like that, I think that that has to be taken extremely seriously. Certainly, uh, I think we all would agree there's no one-size-fits-all approach for investigation of re- harassment and retaliation uh, cases, and and you both are right to raise retaliation because that's now even more important. And indeed, in the EU, there's a new law that says companies must affirmatively prove that uh, there's been no retaliation. So this is something that compliance officers really have to work at and they have but they have to do the work Tim and Alexandra they have to interview the people they have to look back into the background of both of the accuser and the person uh, who is accused because I think that background will be what is um, critical in assessing whether or not someone is telling the truth about harassment or if someone is accused of harassment, their denials. So 
for instance, um, if someone is accused of harassment, uh, are they known to, to go out and drink with colleagues? Are they known to go out and drink with colleagues and leave uh, with women by themselves? Are they known to uh, be overly friendly with women who work for them? I think these are all things that can point towards uh, what I would call a pattern and practice of harassment before it really uh, gets over the line. So I want, really wanted to get both of your views on sort of having to look at this in a much more holistic way, but also uh, you have to do, you still have to do your detailed investigation and uh, you have to make sure that there's no retaliation against a uh, someone who steps forward and complains of harassment. Tom, thank you so much for sharing practical insights and life hacks for compliance community, how to approach this a pretty typical type of investigations. So we, when we are talking about harassment cases, as you have said, it's not like a one, a one size fits all approach. And thanks one again for sharing your practical approach to this type of investigations. Uh, Tom and Alexander, Tim, we'd like to leave the last, yeah, I wanna leave the last word to you, Alexandra, as our guest. So. What do you think of all of this? Yeah, uh, I agree with the opinion which uh, you disclosed to us. We can say that it is false that one can easily investigate any harassment case. Well, this has been a really, uh, I think, a very fruitful discussion. I hope the listeners to this podcast will take some of the points that we have raised and consider how they may either use them in their own investigation or perhaps incorporate them into uh, future investigations. So for uh, Tim Kasinov-Batarov and Alexandra Zayetsa, Zaytseva, sorry, uh, thank, you. thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Man, True or False. Once again, we would love for you to share your views on the this ethics topic or indeed others, and we really want to have a sincere global conversation. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Man, True or False. If you'd like any more information on Tim, I've linked to his LinkedIn profile, which will tell you more about himself and his new law firm. Also, please join us again for another episode of Compliance Man, True or False. This month on The Compliance Life, I premiere a new podcast guest, Gabe Hidalgo, Managing Director at K2 Integrity. Gabe has one of the most unique journeys to the CCO chair I've come across. I hope you will join me the first four weeks of June for an exploration of moving to, sitting in, and moving from the CCO chair on The Compliance Life, a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.